Joel, thank you uh, for joining us for this Friday night session to kick off uh, the winter retreat. And love for sure, you. Honor. I always want to help the hometown team. Well, that's that's a good segue. I'd love for you to tell us a little about just who you are and some of your connection um, with Rest and Bible Church. And uh, I know I've met your son, Noah, before. I think a winter retreat or a summer camp. I think yeah. that's uh, the one Rosenberg child that I've met. And then uh, after you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now, if you have any good Mike Myers stories for us, we definitely uh, <laughs> students will know Mike Sure, Myers. sure. No, happy to be with you guys, really. And I wish I could have been in there in person. But um, uh, yeah, we live in Israel. We live in Jerusalem. But but uh, I was born and raised in New York. My wife is from New Jersey. We met in Campus Crusade for Christ, a student ministry uh, in university, learning how to share our faith in Jesus Christ. When we got married, we're, we're college sweethearts. We um, we got married. I was 23. She was 22. We started our family of four sons, uh, uh, two of whom are married, uh, two of whom have served in the Israeli military, uh, one in an intelligence unit and one in a special forces unit. But we love uh, Rest and Bible Church. Uh, one of the reasons we 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 went not just because of Mike Minter at that time, but because of Mike Meyer. So uh, Mike is Michael. We call Michael in, in the family. I know he's Mike to all of you, but uh, Michael uh, is my brother-in-law. And and Susan Rebays, who works with the, in the kids ministry, she's my sister-in-law. Uh, our dear friends, uh, Jim and Sharon Supp, uh, whom we'd been in Bible study with before they were even married. <laughs> I, I knew Jim and uh, we'd been in a young couple's Bible study for years. So We've been thrilled to see how God has used them and others at Rest and Bible Church over the years. Mike Meyer's stories, well, since he's not there, uh, I'll, you know, I'll just tell one, uh, you know, don't don't tell anybody. But I knew him when he was a teenager, and he did not know Jesus. And he did not want to know Jesus at that time. I remember one time we were really trying to press him on either becoming a believer. We weren't sure if he was at that stage of his life. Or at least to you know get walking with him because uh, life is difficult and there's a lot of wolves out there and you don't want to just be walking around going whatever uh, because those savage wolves will wolves will come after you and he got so mad at us that he threw a Bible at us and just missed my head and uh, it was uh, it was a good evidence let's just say as there's still work to be done there's still prayers to be prayed and so I'm gonna cry honestly. When I think of how much we prayed for him, how much we loved him, God was doing it. It wasn't us, but wow, not only did he get radically turned on to Jesus, and so did his sister Susan, and so did her mom, and eventually their father, who had left the family, blown up the family. It was really bad. Uh, he came to faith in Jesus as well, late in the game, um, and now that whole family are, are serving Jesus, and <laughs> it's pretty cool. So... Any of you that are watching that are like, my family's a mess. I'm a mess. I don't know. I don't know if there's hope. There is hope. We serve a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God, a wonder working God. And that is true. And it may not happen tomorrow, but, you know, Jesus says, keep praying. Like, like be a widow knocking on the door for justice at the judge's house. Just boom, 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 boom. If you're asking for the right thing. And it's in God's will. He will answer. That's a, that's a really cool way to start because I would say, I mean, maybe 75%, if not more, of the students that are sitting in this audience right now have been impacted by Mike Myers through the children's ministry. Um, so that's that's really cool for them to hear that. Someone probably never heard that part, especially throwing the Bible part. They probably never heard that. It's <laughs> cool. You're safe from Bibles, you know, in this format. So that's good. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yeah. um, so you, you and your wife and family are uh, in Jerusalem now. What's a little bit of your history of moving to Israel and, and why you chose uh, to move there? Because I think that'll even give students a, a good context on knowing why you can kind of speak into the wars and messes of the world. Yeah. Um, well, I had been in politics when I was in Washington for 24 years. I was not for all of that time, but mostly I helped candidates lose. Okay. Every, every candidate I ever worked for, literally every single one, they lost and they lost big. And, uh, so that's pretty much, I didn't have a job after that. So I decided to start making things up for a living and I, I decided to write fake news. Uh, and by that, I mean, I started writing political thrillers, novels, fiction, uh, about worst case scenarios that could happen to America, to Israel, to other countries in the world. It drew me into this world of writing about, thinking about, talking about war and terror. And uh, over time, God called our family to to move to Israel. Uh, if you've ever read any of my books, you'd be like, why would you do that? I mean, Israel is safe, usually, except when it's not. The Lord just started to stir in our hearts a number of years ago. It's time for you to come and be here. Mm-hmm. Really? So we went through the process and we became dual citizens of Israel. In other words, we're still U.S. citizens, but we're also Israeli citizens. When we got here in the summer of 2014, August, we came and we literally landed in the midst of a rocket war. More than 4,300 rockets had been fired by terrorists in Gaza at Israel at that time. And so we sort of immersed ourselves. It wasn't just like one of dad's books. It was like, oh my gosh, this is our life. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's how we got started. And so God had called us to be citizens, but also witnesses, ambassadors for Jesus in a, in the land of Israel. And the land of Israel, I wish could say you could I could tell you, everybody here knows Jesus. They don't. Jesus is the most famous Israeli in history, and almost no Israeli knows who he is. I mean, they know the name. They don't know who he is, and they don't know that he's he brought good news. Um, the The Bible is the the number one best export Israel's ever had. Almost no Israeli has read it, and so that's part of our heart. Our calling is to help people hear the good news. How are they going to say yes to Jesus if they've ever even heard the story? Well, Joel, it seems that uh, right from the get go, then you've experienced a lot of turmoil in the Middle East and Israel specifically. Um, I think we would be remiss not to talk about the atrocities that occurred on October 7th. Now, for us, we we merely heard about some of those reports and maybe seen some footage, but you're you're there. Um, so if you could shed any light on describing the physical, social, emotional climate um, around uh, such horrible things that have been happening there. Sure, I would be honored to, as painful as it is. Israel is living through its darkest hour. Mm. Uh, you, you really can't, I mean, the only close equivalent would be May 14th, 1948, when when the president of Israel at that time, uh, David Ben-Gurion, announced that Israel was a new independent nation. We declared our independence. War started that day. Like the, Israel declares independence and boom, seven Arab countries come and try to abort the baby country, right? And they just kill it in its in its womb or in the cradle, whatever. And um, But Israel survived. It was about a year and a half long war. We've had a lot of wars since then, and some of them have been very rough, but nothing like this. So on October 6th, the day before, things were quiet. Things were peaceful. Uh, there was a ceasefire between us and the terrorists in Gaza. And October 7th, uh, there was a sneak attack. More than 3,000 
Hamas terrorists uh, invaded southern Israel. No warning. And people were asleep in their beds. More Jews died on October 7th uh, last year in a single day than at any time since the Holocaust. That's how bad it was. We've never seen anything like that anywhere in the world, certainly not in Israel. So we were immediately at war. Within days, 400,000 Israelis were called up in the reserves, meaning most, we don't have, we don't have a big country. It's about the size of New Jersey, less than 10 million people. So we don't have a standing army that's, you know, like China's or like America's. So, you know, we have a few tens of thousands, but like we needed to mobilize everybody because we got started getting attacked from the north too. terrorists in Lebanon started attacking us and, and terrorists in the West Bank started attacking. So 400,000 people were mobilized in about two days. And these are people like, that's your dentist. That's my doctor. When, you know, almost all the young men in our our church congregation in Jerusalem all called up. Really bad. The worst, like I said, the worst we've ever experienced here in Israel. It's beyond anything really I can imagine. I'm sure many, many of us here at the retreat uh, could imagine as well. Um, talked a lot about physical warfare and battle. Um, just kind of pivoting a little bit to kind of spiritual warfare. Uh, you've mentioned a lot uh, that um, even though Jesus is the most famous Jewish man in history, uh, there's not a lot of uh, people in Israel today that that know him in a relational way as their as their Lord and Savior. Um, how open would you say the Israelis are to the gospel? More now than ever. Hmm. More now ever than over the last, uh, specifically the last 10 years, we've seen dramatic openness. Um, but I would say more now than ever, like from four and a half months ago, like like something is happening where life and death is every day. Hmm. There's not a single Israeli that doesn't know someone that died hmm. or was severely wounded. We know several. Um, I've interviewed Israeli hostage families as they, they're grieving, sobbing in front of me, uh, talking about um, what happened on October 7th to them, what's happened to their loved ones. Um, I've interviewed uh, uh, the parents and the uncle of one of the first Israeli soldiers to die in battle when the ground invasion went in to, to liberate Gaza from Hamas. Uh, every single person that I'm talking to, they don't know Jesus. They don't know the hope of the gospel. They don't know where they're going to go when they die. Israelis feel very much alone. Israeli Jews feel alone. And it's and it's forcing to the surface their fears, their deepest fears. What are those? They come from the Holocaust, where someone said, I'm going to kill every Jew. And then he systematically set out to do it and killed six million. It's not that God sent this war. This is Satan coming these these 3,000 terrorists, they were demon-possessed. There's no way to do what – I've seen what they've done. I've walked through those blood-stained homes right on the border, pockmarked with bullet marks. Uh, I've seen the charred houses that were set on fire, and people were burned to a crisp inside those. God didn't do that. Satan did that because he hates us. Why does he hate us? Because God loves us. Why did Satan choose us? Because God chose us. Why does Satan want to destroy us? Because God says, I want to bless you. But if we, are who are the chosen people, don't choose God back and choose his son, but there are consequences in this life. So when I say that is because, yes, people are open more than I've ever seen in my life and the, my team. And as we travel around the country, talking to pastors, ministry leaders, people are open. Uh, I'm not saying that we've seen a wave of lots of people getting saved. We've seen some. 
But um, but this is shaking everybody to their core of what do I believe? I mean, God is sovereignly letting it happen for for a purpose. Wow. I mean, that your your last line there hits, I think, really the core of what this weekend is all about. That question of where's God is really the question of God, wh- where's your sovereignty? Like we know it, but but how do we? And I don't want to say feelings and emotions wise, but how do we how do we know it at our core? And so I think that my, my question to you would then be, um, uh, how do you trust God's sovereignty and His goodness amidst war? First, it is an easy and understandable question that any young person, anybody at any age, will ask: Why does God let war and evil happen? Isn't Jesus the Prince of Peace? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But his first priority isn't to bring geopolitical peace. Right? What does the Bible say in Ecclesiastes 3? It says there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. You're like, yeah, but if he's the prince of peace, shouldn't he bring peace? What does he want most? He wants us to know him and to come through Jesus to the Father and be saved forever and ever and ever. And to have his love and his wisdom and his joy. So he will let the, your life be shaken. He will let a nation be shaken. He will let Israel be shaken in this life because what he wants most is that we will let go of anyone or anything other than Jesus that we're holding on to for our hope, our security, our eternal life, whatever. He loves you so much, he will let you be shaken. In in the book of Haggai, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, Chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, God says this, the the, the prophet says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more in a little while, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also, and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations. That's a pretty strong prophecy. Now Israel specific, Amos uh, was was a Hebrew prophet, one of the minor prophets, Amos 9, verse 9, okay? For behold, God says, I am commanding and I will shake the house of Israel among all the nations. So now he's zeroing in. I'm going to shake every nation. I'm specifically going to shake Israel. Why? Because Israel's the nation through whom the Bible came. Israel's the nation through whom the Messiah came. God chose us, not just because he said, oh, you guys are better than people. No, the Bible's clear we weren't better. But he sovereignly chose us to reveal himself to the rest of the world. Sadly, most Jews have not accepted this as their mission in life. That's a problem. And that's one of the reasons he shakes us, okay? It's because he loves us. Mm-hmm. Now, the enemy shakes us and attacks us to rob, kill, and destroy, right? That's John 10.10, 10, right? Jesus speaks of the, the, Satan as the thief. The, the, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. That's his mission. But I, Jesus said, came that you may have life and have it abundantly, so, so Satan's the exact opposite of Jesus. Jesus wants you to have life, but he'll he'll shake you to get your attention. The enemy will shake you to kill you, uh, but Jesus might let some of that happen in order to catch your attention. Let's keep going. In Acts chapter four, verse thirty-two, uh, we read this: "And when they had prayed, when the disciples, the apostles, the people who really loved Jesus, when they had gathered together and prayed while they were being attacked." while they were being persecuted, while people were hating them for proclaiming the gospel, right? So that's, they're being shaken, right? But what's interesting is when they had prayed in the midst of this, uh, all this terrible attack and persecution, 
the text says the place where they had gathered together was shaken. Um, and it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. My point here is, if you don't know Jesus, God will likely shake you to get you to think, I need hope, I need security, I need peace in my life, and I need to know where I'm going when I die. If you do know Jesus, he will also shake you at various stages of your life. Why? Because he's not satisfied with you sort of, yeah, you're saved, but you don't know him personally, closely. Or you know him, but he wants you to go deeper. Or you know him and you're walking with him, but you're not telling anyone else about him. You're not serving him. There's a lot of ways and a lot of reasons that God will shake us, but he's doing it because he loves us. But if you don't know Jesus, there is a point where he'll stop shaking and be like, all right, it's over. And you may slip into eternity without knowing him. And then there's no way out. The only way to escape hell is in this life saying yes to Jesus. And then that is, uh, that's what he wants, but not everyone will say yes. Some of what you're saying is, what God's word is really saying is that we, we kind of want things in a nice wrapped up bow. We want to say, Jesus said he's the Prince of Peace. We want peace. Okay, we got peace. But what God's word is saying there's peace, but really it's coming at it somewhat of an individual level. Sometimes it comes at a national level, but also we're seeing God's word that he's saying, I'm going to use these wars, these messes, these mm -hmm. sufferings to both bring some of my judgment, even on my own people. Uh, but I'm also going to use it because I want to bring you to me. Um, and that these things are almost like parallel tracks that kind of are going down together. And we want to say that they, they converge, but in a perfect way, but but they don't as we're in this in this life. I think that was a good summary. I'll give you one example. It would be Matthew chapter 24. Um, Jesus is, is answering a question of the disciples asked right here in Jerusalem, just a, a 10 minutes from my house, is uh, the Temple Mount, uh, the center of Jerusalem, the epicenter of the world. And the, mm -hmm. the disciples were up on the Mount of Olives, and they're looking down at the, 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 the city of Jerusalem. The paraphrase conversations, basically, the disciples were asking Jesus, you know, you've talked about the end of days, and you're going to come back. And But when are these things going to happen? Like, don't you want to give us a little heads up on, can't you give us one sign that will give us a sense of when all this will wrap up? <laughs> and he says, yes, but he gives a whole a whole chapter worth of signs, and they're mostly bad. Wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, persecution of the believers, lawlessness. Uh, I mean, it's just false prophets, false messiahs, false teachers. I mean, you're like, mm, mm, mm. well, in Matthew 24, verse, I think it's verse 14, Jesus gives some good news. He says, this gospel, this good news of the kingdom, meaning the kingdom of Messiah, the kingdom of Christ, shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. Jesus is saying, as you get closer and closer to the end of history and my return to set up my kingdom, things are going to get bad, and they're going to go from bad to worse and worse to horrible. Why? Well, one, yes, because Satan is on the move and God is letting it sovereignly happen, but also because the only way you really need, know that you need good news is when your life is full of bad news. Mm. Jesus, you have life. Not an easy life, but you have life, and you have life forever and ever and ever, and you can be safe. You're adopted into God's family, and you are safe forever. 
And otherwise, you're on your own. So you might want to choose life. <laughs> you might want to choose Jesus. You know, look how much people, especially you guys ages, love superhero movies. And you're thinking, oh, I'd like to be a superhero. I'd like to at least have a friend who's a superhero. Because when I'm when my life stinks and I feel threatened, uh, I'd love, I love Superman to swoop down and help me. Or, you know, or Spider-Man or whatever. Maybe not Ant-Man. I don't know. Let's not get into all of them. But <laughs> Jesus, is, Jesus is that superhero. Those those superhero movies are based on an actual. They, I mean, the, the movie makers don't get it, but the idea: what if we had a friend who was just and kind and more powerful than anybody, and he was my friend? Wouldn't that be good? Yes, it would. Welcome to Jesus. One of the things I really want students to grasp, and I, and I think you'll just be able to give us such a picture into this, is that there is this myths of God, because where's God, right? I think students like culture, where's God? I don't see God in that. Where's God in the wars and messes? What are some just maybe good, really specific stories of where you've seen God's goodness in the midst of even what's happening in Israel? So my wife and I have a friend. She is a young Jewish woman who left Ukraine to become an Israeli citizen, okay? Jewish. And she is grieving over all the war and horror that's going on in Ukraine. And now she's in Israel, and it's war and horror. She grew up religiously Jewish. She, she hated the name of Jesus. She hated worship music. She had some Christian friends, but like, just stay away from me. Hmm. But in the last few months, she's been shaken. Hmm. And she started wondering if the friends that she had, who knew Jesus personally, had and had peace and had hope, their lives weren't perfect, but compared to hers... That she could see something in them that she did not have. Jesus, I don't want Jesus. What I want is the peace that you have. Imagine you had a friend, maybe from the, a jungle in Africa. Come, they, you take this your friend to the mall, and they're like, "What is that?" And they're like, "Oh, that's that's cinnabon." And they're like, "Wow, that's incredible." And they're like. Can I get some of that? Sure. And then you get in the line and it takes forever and you get up to the front and, and your friend says, um, um, what is this? And they're like, oh, it's Cinnabon. It's, uh, these are like, uh, you know, pastries made with cinnamon. <gasps> cinnamon? No, 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 no. The chief of my village said, cinnamon is horrible. You can never have cinnamon. Can I, can I get one of those without cinnamon? No, I'm sorry. It's, it's Cinnabon, right? Like that's the ingredient that makes this wonderful. <laughs> No, 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 I can't. I, we hate cinnamon in our culture. We don't want cinnamon. I want that, but I, I can't have cinnamon. Well, then I can't help you because cinnamon is the central ingredient in cinnamon. This is what's happening with people right now. So what's happening with her? She's like, I want that. No, 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 I don't want Jesus. I want your hope, especially I'm in the middle of two wars that are, that are grieving me. I need what you have. It's real. I can see it. I know your life's not perfect, but I can see you have something I don't have. You're like, well, I, I want the benefits. I don't want Jesus. Can't help you. Jesus is the central ingredient in changing my life. And over time, she started processing that. She didn't like it at first, but she then she spent time in the Word, in reading the Gospels and asking people questions. And in, in just recently, she gave her life to Jesus. And she is a different person already. And that has been... I think one of the most exciting examples for me to see someone who is not naturally inclined to this topic or this message, but shaken by two 
horrific world wars right now was like, I'm going to explore it. And then she said, yes, it just, you realize it's like, God, I, I don't get, I don't know if I'm fully going to get suffering and war in this world. I don't know if my mind's ever going to wrap around it because it wasn't meant to be like that because this wasn't how the world was created. It, right. And, but it takes you right back to the new Testament. You're like, you, you, Jesus walks up and, and somebody has been paralyzed for their whole life. And you're like, that's not, that's not fair. Well, it doesn't seem fair, but suddenly Jesus heals him and everyone's like, whoa, or the blind man who's born from birth. He was blind. Everybody in the town knows he's blind, but Jesus heals him. Satan ruins people's lives, but Jesus comes to rescue you. And even if you don't get your sight back, those stories are not just about what God does 2000 years ago. They're illustrations. They're true stories, but they're like, that's what God wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do in my life. And you might like, I, I've got, I'm bipolar. I'm, I'm depressed. I have parents that are divorced. I have all kinds of whatever other issues. And you're like, yeah, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I love you. I made you. And I have a plan that's uniquely yours. If we resist it, we don't get any of the benefits. When we get all of the horror and, and misery and frustration and discouragement, you're going to have a lot of pain and trouble as a believer. But now you have a shepherd. Now you have a super a superhero at your side, right? Uh, look at any of the superhero movies. People have hard, hard days, but they have a superhero to get them through it. I appreciate I feel like... Uh understand what you're saying and, and answering help students answering this question where's god it's like there's some things going on in the world meta world like in the sense of the larger world the wars that are happening that we're like okay god biblically we're gonna understand that you're you're allowing this you're doing this but it seems like what what you're saying is that saying god's word is saying from here where's god well he's also here allowing his sovereign plan happening but he's like right here he's in your life in each individual person's life if they'll allow him doing a work right there too. Um, and I, I think that's cool. Yeah. And I, and I think that one of the, the, the two places where there are the greatest spiritual revolutions going on right now are communist China and radical Islamist Iran. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> in communist China, when the communists took over in the mid 1970s, they either killed or arrested or drove out of the country almost every single Christian. They really got down to very few. Now, there are upwards, there are different estimates, 80 to 100 million born-again followers of Jesus. Now, how does that happen? In the communist China, where it's illegal to preach the gospel, it's illegal to open a church, it's illegal to, you know, make disciples, and it's getting worse and worse. People are coming to Jesus by the millions, not because it's easy, but because their life is already miserable and hard, and they see their neighbor who knows Jesus, and they have hope. And they can explain how to go to heaven and have life eternal and wonderful forever and ever and ever. Those of you who know Jesus, you need to be living different and you need to be bold. And, and because your friends are suffering, they're suffering without Jesus. I, 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 I haven't been in Northern Virginia for a few years except to visit, but I'm telling you, and you know, it's true. Your life isn't easy as a follower of Jesus. Your friend's life are worse and they need Jesus. And I'm not telling, I'm not going to promise you their lives are going to get better in terms of like their parents are going to get to back together and they're going to start getting A's and they're going to go to, you know, the best schools and whatever, and they're going to get a great job. No, their life might get much more difficult, but there's, there's a difference. You either can have a difficult life filled with sadness and hardship and not know the shepherd, 
good luck with that. It's a gamble and you're going to lose mm. and then go to hell. Or you could have like, my life was going to be difficult, but I have hope, and I have joy and I have, and it's, it takes a while to learn how to walk with Jesus and to really experience the fruit of the spirit as he grows in you. But that's what your youth group leaders and your Sunday school teachers and Pastor Jim Sup and others are there to feed you and to help you grow so you know how to live in very hard times. And you don't have to go and live in Gaza or in Israel to have hard times. Going to high school in Northern Virginia is hard enough. And the question is, do you have a superhero with you or not? Right. Go watch a Spider-Man movie and go, these are teenagers. I think I want Spider-Man. And Jesus is Spider-Man. And I know that'll be like the quote of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, 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 you know, hope is so key here. You know, in a question like this, which kind of a really heavy topic, and kind of trying to grapple with where is God and and you Lee how you you're kind of saying you know God is is he, in the macro level he is in control but he's also very like intimately here with us in the midst of this and I know our 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 retreat verse theme verse of the week is is how in the midst of all this shaking and whatnot that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever right and that's comes from the book of Hebrews where you're talking about all these times where God does allow shaking and yet at the same time, right there and right before that verse in Hebrews, it says that we have an unshakable kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. That can't be shaken. Um, and, and we have that with Jesus Christ. I share my, uh, just a final anecdote. It's, it's really how I went from being saved at eight to being serious at 16. I came to faith through vacation Bible school. And Sunday school, which I wasn't a big fan of, okay, uh, but I did it, and I, God was merciful, and I heard the gospel, and I said yes, eight years old, and then I did Sunday school like for the next, you know, eight years, like okay, I, you know, I, I wasn't doing drugs, and I wasn't killing anybody, and I wasn't, you know, sleeping with anybody, and I, 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 I wasn't particularly on fire for Jesus. I, I didn't really focus. I, I went to church, and I did everything that the Sunday school said, or youth group. I love youth group. I love my friends. I wasn't particularly serious about my faith, but I wasn't a disaster. It wouldn't think of me as like, oh, that guy's rogue, but I was miserable. Around my uh, junior year of uh, high school, um, I can say it now, I, God was withdrawing from me. He didn't leave me, but it's like he withdrew and I could feel something happening. And I was starting to go into an emotional uh, nosedive. I, 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 I had friends, but I didn't feel like I had any close friends. I didn't have a girlfriend that bothered me a lot. Um, and I was, but more than that, I was slipping into a serious depression. I actually, I wanted to go to film school. So I wrote a, a, a screenplay. I had to do that to apply for college. And I wrote a screenplay, and I'm just being honest, about a kid in a high school who contemplates committing suicide. That was not good. It was a sign that I wasn't, I wasn't going to do it, but I, yeah. I was in a dark place. And then I started getting angry at God. I, I would go up in my room um, and I would close the door and I'd be like, God, you, you promise in the Bible hope and love and happiness. I don't have any of it. It's ridiculous. And I remember one night in January, worst of the winter, and I was, I was having a blowout session in my room. Nobody was home. I was like, but I was saying to God, it's, this is totally bogus. It's not true either. Well, either it's not true or I don't get it. I really don't understand. If I was not a follower of Jesus, I'd say, you need Jesus. I would tell myself, you need Jesus. But I do know Jesus, and it's not helping. And I'm going to abandon this whole thing unless you tell me 
what I'm missing here, because I think it's ridiculous and I, it's not right. I was angry. Now, I'm not saying this happens to everybody, but it happened to me. God spoke to me right then. I don't know that it was audible, but, it, but, but, but he spoke to me and he said, Joel, do you read my word? Stop me in my tracks. There's no one in the house. And it's just, and I'm like, now, have I ever read the Bible? Have I ever, I mean, a little bit, have I memorized some Bible verses? I'm, but that that's not what he was asking. He was like, do you spend time every day reading my word and trying to understand and know me better? I'm not, I knew what that's what he was saying. And I was like, basically, no, sir. It's like, do you spend time, Joel, with me talking to me in prayer? Well, at every night at dinner, I would say, you know, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for his food. Amen. You know, I would, you know, I prayed that. I didn't No, Did I have a prayer life? Was I talking to God like he was my friend, like he was my father, like he was my shepherd? No. Joel, why would you expect to experience my blessings when you don't even know me? End of transmission. End of transmission. Now, you could say, well, God doesn't talk to people that way. Okay. Well, it transformed my life. I could have thought, well, that's horrible. I'm a horrible person. I'm literally a believer who doesn't read the Bible and I don't pray. And it's so obvious what to do. And I'm not doing any of it. But I didn't think of that way. I thought, wow, I thought I didn't know the verse at that time. Okay. I didn't learn it till college, but Jeremiah 33, three, God says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Now I want to be clear. As a as a as a very faithful member of Reston Bible Church, I'm not saying God's going to talk to you that way, but sometimes He does. But the point is, I'm talking to you this way, and I'm telling you, almost all of you are missing the basics. You, if you have a girlfriend and you never talk to her and you never write to her, and when she sends you a letter, you don't even open it, do you really have a girlfriend? If you're dad's away traveling and you never he never calls you and you never call him and when he calls you don't answer your mom says hey why don't you go over the phone talk to your dad no i don't want to do that what kind of relationship do you have how how can he bless you how can he help you if if you're not talking to jesus he wants to help you but he's a gentleman he's not going to kick in the door of your life right what does he say in revelation he says i behold i stand at the door and knock if you let me in i'll come in <laughs> But ergo, if you don't let him in, and I don't mean even being saved, I'm talking about you know him, but you don't really know him. You're not, you have no interest in him. That's what this youth group weekend, this is what youth group Sunday school and Pastor Jim Sup's messages, this is what this is what they're there for. You're saying, I don't know how to have that hope. I, I'm not going to have it, but just by opening up my Bible tonight. That, that's true, right? It's a relationship and relationships can be awkward at first. We'll let people who know Jesus better than you help you. That's what they're here. That's what they want to do. And they're good at it. God is using them. Let them help you. And, and then as you begin to grow, when you find Christ, don't hide them. And if you don't know Christ, let the people know, if you don't know him well, let the people who do and are excited about it, let them help you. Otherwise, you're just ambling along in a dark world with filled with beasts and monsters and wolves and you're on your own and that is not a good place to be i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to 
to be with us and to share uh, with everything that's going on in your life. And I mean, this will probably mark the best interview you had this for 2024. Amen. So far, so. Better than Fox, better than all the others. I, absolutely. I've, I've loved having this conversation. With Definitely you the most important. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Bless you guys.